kids and their friends. It can be tricky. But as the years maybe gone on, the friendship is kind of starting to dip into the red zone more often. And it's kind of more in the you know, orange, red zone, and it's not feeling healthy. Today on Feed, Play, Love, friendship expert Dana Kerford explains how we can help our kids have good, strong relationships. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Friendships are the stuff of life. But sometimes it can take a bit of trial and error before we find our people. So how do we help our children find their tribe, particularly when friendships that they care deeply about fall apart? Dana Kerford is the founder of You Are Strong, an organisation that teaches kids about healthy friendships. Hi, Dana. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, we know that kids have different developmental stage, so... We don't expect our two-year-old to have a best friend. We might see our kids starting to form friendships around five or six in terms of friends that they're going to hang out with and have playdates, all those sorts of things. And I'm wondering, is there a typical age or stage of life where friendships can start to get tricky for kids? Yeah, interesting question. One of the things that we've absolutely seen in schools is that Friendship is really fun and playful when children first start school, you know, kindergarten, year one, year two, they're still, they're learning kind of those basic relational skills like sharing and taking turns and fairness. But when they experience conflict in a friendship, it doesn't cut very deep. It's, they get over it pretty quickly. There might be quick little tears, but then they're happy and skipping again. When they get to about year three. So about eight years old is when we start to see really hurt feelings. We start to see them feeling maybe excluded or wondering if they're liked by their classmates, really craving that close, you know, best friend, like you said. Um, So it does seem about year three and year four is when what we call friendship fires, you know, really start to ignite in those friendships. And that's really when it's, it is important for us to give children language and skills and strategies to put those fires out so they can get their friendships back feeling healthy again. So if a child comes home from school and says, you know, I'm having these troubles with so-and-so, they won't play with me, or they said this thing that upset me. How do you speak to your child about those situations? Is that when you bring in, oh, it seems like you're having a friendship fire? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first message we want to give children is friendship fact number one. So we have four friendship facts that we teach kids, but friendship fact number one is no friendship or relationship is perfect. We need children to really understand that conflict is a normal part of a friendship and they can survive it because when they don't know that, they experience these friendship fires and their immediate instinct is either, you're not my friend anymore. You know, they just dump the friend because they think, you know, that's a terrible friend. Mm. Um, Or they start to feel really bad about themselves thinking, you know, nobody likes me. I'm having these friendship 
issues and I'm a, it must be my fault. So we need kids for, so we need to normalize conflict in, in friendships for children. So explaining to them, first of all, buddy, you know what? That's really normal. No friendship is perfect. And so it's very normal that you're having friendship fires. Um, the other thing we teach kids is friendship fact number two, every friendship is different. And so often, you know, those friendship fires ignite because of those differences. And so we want them to understand, you know what, you're not the same as your friend and you're not supposed to be the same. It's okay to feel different. But again, helping them learn how to put out those friendship fires. So how to kind of put out the fire to get the friendship back, feeling good again. What if you as a parent, the outsider looking in, can see that the friendship is quite toxic? Should you be trying to steer them away from that child? And is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely going to happen. There's times when our children are going to be in friendships that maybe have changed. Maybe maybe at one point they were really healthy. Uh, we use a tool actually called the Friendometer. And so the Friendometer goes from green to yellow to red. And so on the green side, of course, that's where a healthy friendship is. So it's a very easy visual tool that parents can use and they can access it online if they'd like. Um, but just to get a sense of how a child's feeling. What I was saying though, is that sometimes children are in friendships that, you know, maybe, maybe were in the green zone for a long time and they had a really healthy, feel good friendship, lots of trust and respect. They felt like they could be themselves. But as the years maybe gone on, the friendship is kind of starting to dip into the red zone more often. And it's kind of more in the you know, orange, red zone, and it's not feeling healthy. The first thing we want to encourage kids to do is to try to get the friendship back in the green zone. Sometimes it's in the red zone because of that friendship fire. So it just is something where they need to have a conversation with their friend. So we teach kids to work the way around what we call the friendo cycle. And this is the normal cycle of conflict in a friendship. So if we have a friendship fire, we want to talk it out with the friend. So that means we would have a conversation. I might say to my friend, hey, remember the other day how you laughed at me when the teacher asked me to read in front of the class and you laughed when I couldn't pronounce, pronounce that word? I felt really hurt. And then we, we're going to hear what our friend has to say. We're going to put the fire out. One of the one of the strategies that we teach kids, and it's our favorite one, is to come up with a deal for next time. You know, how about next time? You know, if if you can't meet me at the basketball court and you promise to, um, you know, you go let Siobhan know and she can let me know, and that way I'm not just standing there by myself. Deal, deal. You know, coming up with a deal for next time. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, the deal one works really well for kids because actually what usually happens if kids are not given instructions around how to put out friendship fires is their friend might apologize to them and say, oh, I'm sorry about that. And what do kids say? They say, that's okay, or I forgive you when it's not okay and they don't forgive their friend yet. They've come to no resolution. They have no plan for next time. Um, so instead, we want them to say, you know, thanks for apologizing how about next time we, you know, and, and we come up with a bit of a, a plan to move forward in the friendship. But so getting back to your original question, when our child has a friendship that is in the red zone and it's not going anywhere, 
we've we've encouraged them to talk it out and it's not getting better and the friendship is unhealthy and doesn't feel good the message that we give kids is and and I always word it this way I say if you ate something that made you feel very unwell what would a doctor say and they all say a doctor would say you know eat less of that or cut back on that in your system and I say exactly and our advice is the same. If you have an unhealthy friendship, then we want you to spend less time in that friendship. You deserve green zone friendships in your life. And so we want to spend, we want to decrease our daily dose of that unhealthy friendship. In the school context, that's really tricky when that friend is in their class. Yeah. Um, So what we do in that case is we get the children to brainstorm all the times throughout the school day when they have a choice. So they have a choice at recess. They have a choice, you know, where they stand in the line when their teacher says, line up for science class, you know, line up at the door. They have a choice in assemblies where they sit down, you know, so getting them to really think about all the times when they have a choice. And those are the moments when we are going to decrease our daily dose. We're going to make a healthy choice and we're going to surround ourselves with green zone friendships. As parents, we're very aware, I think most of us anyway, that our influence or how we were parented often affects the way we raise our kids. And I think another thing I've noticed amongst my peers, but also certainly with myself, is when it comes to friendships, we can put our own expectations onto our kids. So for example, I was raised to be inclusive of everybody, to be kind to everybody and to be really uh, aware if a kid was being left out. And I'm not saying as a kid that I ever was that good at being inclusive, but as an adult... I see that as my responsibility as a kind human being, not to leave people out, to try and make someone feel welcome if they're, you know, outside of the group or whatever. But if we look at a a situation with our kids, let's say, for example, there's one child that you can see has not a lot of friends and that they're maybe a bit painful, they're a bit mean, they're a bit demanding, all those sorts of things. And your kid does not want to be friends with them. But your inclination as a parent is to say, well, we don't know what's going on for that kid. So I think you should try harder. What do you Mm -hmm. see as our role as a parent in that situation? Yes. And I totally get where you're coming from. Absolutely. The message we want to give kids is, so so a, a key difference or something we want them to understand is the difference between friendly and friendship. Yes. Our children should be friendly and and must be friendly and kind to everyone, right? We are kind people. We need to be friendly and kind to everyone. Friendship is a relationship that we reserve for those people that we have trust and respect with. We feel good around. We have common interests. And for kids, that's, I mean, central to their friendships. So I would suggest, Siobhan, that As a parent, the message that you want to give your child is we need to be friendly to that child. We need to be kind to that kid who has no friends. It's okay that you don't want to invite them to your birthday party and have them for a sleepover or whatever. I I get that because, you know, friendship is, is really special. But you do have a responsibility to be kind to that kid. 
So how can, and, and one of the things we talk to kids about too is like at school, for example, school is a public place. School is not a place where we have play dates. Play dates is at home. And so um, if we want to have a, pl- a one-on-one play date with someone, we want their parents to coordinate that. School is a place where it, uh, we are around a lot of other kids. Yes, they might not be your absolute best friends. And yes, you might not actually click with everybody. But we need to to create a harmonious school culture and to create a culture of kindness in schools. The idea is that we're kind and friendly to everyone. Is there ever a time when a parent should be speaking to another parent about the friendships their kids are having? Um, so I I have pretty strong opinion on this one. Um, I believe that we need to empower children with the skills to manage their own friendship issues. And I know sometimes parents feel like the right thing to do is to call the other child's parents. But I do want to let your listeners know that the number one reason kids tell us that they're not seeking help from parents and even teachers, so it's not just for parents, parents and teachers, um, is because they're worried that we're going to make it worse. And oftentimes we do. As a teacher, even for me, I remember times, you know, where I thought I was doing the right thing, helping my students out. But what I actually did was make that friendship fire so much bigger because other kids knew about it. Now the whole school knows about it, you know, and and um, it actually made the situation bigger. When it comes to parents, calling the other child's parents is absolutely so embarrassing for them, first of all. Yes. Your child never wants you to do never wants you to do that. And if your child finds out that you did do that, they are less likely to come to you for support again because you called the other kids parents. And I don't know, I've heard from so many people and Siobhan honestly, I've been interviewed on this topic more than any other topic about getting involved in your child's friendship issues. Um it makes the situation awkward between you and the other parent. And although you might say, you know what, I'm really objective about my my own child. I know my child's not perfect. You might go into that conversation with the best intentions, but we have a natural protective instinct that immediately comes to the surface if anybody says anything negative about our own child. Yeah. We can't help it. And it happens. And even though you might think, oh, that conversation went great with the other parent, the chances are you said something that triggered them and that uh, that triggered that protective instinct in them as well. And now it's awkward between you and that parent. The ultimate message we want to give our children anyways is you've got this. I'm here for you. I'm going to support you and I'm going to coach you from the sidelines. So this idea of really thinking of yourself as a friendship coach, not somebody who plays the game for them, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody who coaches them from the sidelines and uses these moments really as teachable moments to equip and empower your child with skills that are going to serve them very well when they're in high school, when they're adults, you know, young adults, and they've got their first jobs and they're they're working with their colleagues. These are friendship skills are relationship skills, you know, and this is a really great opportunity to help your children put those skills to practice. So I guess in that context, if a parent contacts you and says, you know, my little girl really loves your little girl and would love a play date. 
but you know that your kid doesn't want one. Yeah. Um, would you say the response there is to say, hey, why don't we let the kids sort it out? And, or, Perfect. And then you go to your child and say, listen, it's okay if you don't want to have a play date with this little girl, but if she comes and asks you, this is how you deal with it. And how would you deal yeah. with it? <laughs> Totally. And you guys maybe do a little bit of role playing. She can be kind and friendly to that little girl and say, um, no, I can't have a play date, but I'd love to play with you on the swings at school. You know, what could she suggest at school um, instead? And, and I wanted to just reiterate, too, that when we force children into unhealthy relationships, and I see that happen all the time. I see in schools, you know, we partner kids up with with kids who maybe are butting heads or parents are friends, so they want their children to be friends when in reality those kids are just not clicking, not vibing, as the kids would say these days. When we force children in unhealthy relationships, that is when we start to see some really um, negative behaviors. We we trigger that fight or flight response in them immediately. We use the term mean on purpose in our schools, in our curriculum. Um, that's when we often see mean on purpose behavior. When in schools, we forced kids with other kids that bring out the worst in them. So really, we want to be super mindful of that, not forcing our kids into an unhealthy relationship because it's not going to end well. To answer your question, I guess it is about responding to that parent and just saying like, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'll let the, I'll let the girls do what feels right for them. And then encouraging your daughter or son to just make sure that they're, they're being kind. And I guess, too, the other thing, it is about boundaries. What are we comfortable with and what are we not comfortable with? So maybe with that child, we would be comfortable or your daughter would be comfortable going to the park with her. Maybe that actually feels really fun and that feels feels okay. But she doesn't feel comfortable having her over for one-on-one play date. So talking to your child, what feels good for you? What feels comfortable? And that's the beginning of boundaries. Understanding. And as adults, we need to think about that in our friendships too. You know, we might have a friend who reaches out and says, Hey, do you want to go for a glass of wine? And we're like, Oh, that's the last thing I'd like to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. But, but I would, I would happily, you know, meet you at the park with your child and, and have a quick chat there. Like, so it is, it's, it's about boundaries. What feels good? What doesn't? Speaking of things that it can take a lifetime to learn, one thing I have noticed is um, the other side of the coin is when you might have a child who's very empathetic and can see friendship fires between other friends and be very distressed by yeah. that and want to help. So I have a child who uh, is is very affected when her friends fight and she wants to help them all feel okay and all be friends again. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I can really admire and re respect that desire in her, but I also don't want to mm -hmm. set her up for a lifetime of trying to solve other people's problems. Totally. And we, so in our curriculum, we call that a friendship sandwich. And we say it's <laughs> sticky and messy in there and you don't want to get caught in the middle. Um, but there, there are some children who inevitably end up in the middle because they are the empathetic ones like, you, like your daughter. They're the ones who 
there are some kids who love the drama and love being in the middle because they feel important, you know, and they're running to both friends, getting both friends' side of the story. So what we want your, I guess, your daughter to understand is that bringing herself in the middle of those situations sometimes results in her having now friendship fires with her friends, like because she's part of it. And what I assume would happen is her friend who's upset with another friend would maybe come up to her and say, you know, and and is leaning on her and saying, um, you know, I'm really sad because you won't believe what my friend did to me. And her instinct is to listen and be kind and helpful and supportive. But what happens is when she does that, she gets sucked into the friendship sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yeah. And, and so what we really teach the kids to do to kind of stay out of the, out of the middle, um, we actually have a whole bunch of scripts that we let them kind of choose from. But one of the things she might say, especially if these are both her friends, I mean, if, if someone's talking to her, um, about maybe somebody who's outside of the situation, not not a friend of hers, someone she doesn't even know, then absolutely she can be that ally and support that friend. Um, and there's no real consequence. There's no sandwich situation there. But when it's her two friends, she doesn't want to get caught in the middle of it because it is likely to result in a friendship fire igniting. So what she could say is, um, I'm not getting in the middle. This is between two of you, the both of you, you're both my friends. And I'm not getting in the middle. Anyways, and then we teach them to, to change the subject. And that's a very tricky skill, but super effective that when we, it's like a distraction technique. But that lets our friends know that we're not the kind of person who's going to allow our friends to dog on our other friends or gossip about our other friends or say, you know, negative things about our other friends. So we would say, or we might even say like, you know what? Sophie's my friend and I don't want to get in the middle. Anyways, what should we do at recess? It, it's hard for them when they get in the middle and feel like they're helping because I know the instinct and I love that. And so I think that's that's important that they know that that is a beautiful strength in you. But with every strength, there comes a tipping point where it actually becomes a weakness. And so with Empathy, if we are take that one too, too far in that case, it might actually get us in, in trouble. And empathy, actually, the tipping point sometimes becomes enabling. If we're too empathetic, we enable um, unhealthy behavior. So, yeah, it's just helping your daughter learn that, A, getting involved and being in the middle often makes the friendship fire bigger or sparks friendship fires between her and her friends. Um, so she wants to, and, and then helping her with some scripts to stay out of it. That seems to me to be a lesson for life. Dana, thank you so yes. much for your help today and for all of your advice. You're absolutely welcome. That's Dana Kerford. She's the founder of You Are Strong, and they have stacks of really great resources on their website. I'll make sure I put a link in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now. <laughs>